Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham Smythe for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. Definitely saw some Murray magic in week one, didn't we, with the Arizona Cardinals? The new revamped Arizona Cardinals look pretty darn good, no doubt about it. Appreciate uh, everyone joining us here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. want to thank Paul Buckpower Stewart, our guy in England, buckpower.com for joining us, uh, first hour, as well as Arash Mukazi, the former writer of the L.A. Times, ESPN, SI, now doing radio in Southern California, and also... He's got his column, the morning column, on Substack, so you can catch all of that up on the website a little bit later on today. Hour number two, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We start talking NFL week number two. I love doing that. You know, we kind of recap, especially when we had a Monday night football game here in Vegas with the Raiders and the Ravens. Spend Monday, Tuesday kind of recap, and Wednesday, start looking ahead. Now Thursday, boom, we start driving full force. And then, of course, Friday, come on out to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas Inside the William Hill Sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan, no better place to be on a Friday or a weekend for that matter. And uh, come join us, of course, 2 to 4 p.m. each and every Friday, live on location at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. And yes, our best bet segment happening again like it happens every Friday. And you can go back and check out our last best bets that are up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check it all out. Yes, some of us went 3-0 and in college. Some of us didn't do so good on Sunday. But we can all point at the Green Bay Packers. That's what we point at. What happened with the Green Bay Packers? Well, there's a lot of things that happened with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has some thoughts uh, about that as well, too. So we're going we're gonna to hear from Aaron Rodgers as he appeared on the Pat McAfee show uh, a few days ago. And if you saw that game where the Packers were non-competitive, Totally non-competitive against the Saints in the game played in Jacksonville. And there were probably, I was going to say, just as many Packer fans there than Saints fans. And that's accurate. I mean, Packers always draw well when they play in Florida, when they play in Tampa, or they play in Jacksonville. And uh, But the Packers were just atrocious. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, it's because Aaron Rodgers didn't take any snaps in the preseason. All right, there are a lot of quarterbacks that didn't take any snaps in the preseason. How many snaps did Matthew Stafford take in the preseason? How'd he look? He looked fantastic, didn't he, against the Bears? So, yeah, you can make that argument. People are going to say, well, Rodgers still has this, this problem with, with the Packers' front office. And that's one thing. You got a problem with the, with the front office, but he didn't have a problem with Matt LaFleur, their head coach, which a lot of people thought that he did last year. But the bottom line is this. The Saints were ready to play. The Saints did get a full preseason. They had a very good preseason. And when you go through a tragedy or a travesty or a near tragedy like they went through with Hurricane Ida, it brings you closer together. You have to go on the road. You've got to pack everything up. You have to evacuate. They've been basically you know, staying in, in hotels in Fort Worth, Texas, and turned in uh, their training camp over at TCU. And it it does a lot for you. I mean, you are forced to be away from your family. You're forced to focus on your craft and focus on the important things in life. And they had this game circled on their calendar. This is supposed to be a home game for them. They lost a home game. They had to play it in Jacksonville. They were the hungrier team. They were the better team. They blew out the Packers. Now, does this mean the Packers are going to have a Subpar season? No, I don't think that's the case. And we'll dive into that when we start handicapping their Week 2 game Monday night against the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers didn't have too much to say in the post-game press conference, except he said, hey, this is one game, you know, it's a 17-game season, 
You know, you guys don't need to panic. I mean, he didn't go to the relaxed terminology that he, that we saw before, but we've seen the Packers when they went to Tampa and they got blown out by by the Buccaneers. They they responded back. Okay, we've seen this happen before. But you want to hear from Aaron Rodgers? Here's what he had to say. Part of the Pat McAfee show, the former punter uh, from the Colts back in the day, who has got himself a nice little you know podcast. But Aaron Rodgers speaking about the Week One loss. <laughs> A game like that allows all these speculation to come into play. Should we have played in the preseason? You know, should we have done this? Should we have done that? And we got to deal with it because we just got our asses whooped. That's fine. It might be a freak out outside of the facility. Uh, I think it's just a, you know, it's a good learning lesson for us. You know, we can't, we can't play like that. We can't start a game like that. Look, there's not much to say. We got our asses beat. We're all frustrated about it, but you just move on. We got 16 more to go. McAfee, you got a great show. I'm joined by Kimberly Martin and Rob Ninkovich, as you can see. Um, we've heard it a lot, like only seven padded practices, not enough time, blah, blah, blah. Is one more week enough for, for enough time for Rodgers and the offense to get it together? Okay, well, let, let's, start with, let's start with Kimberly. Let's see what Kim has to say about this one. You know, I'm going to hope it is because I think the loss, though, for me, they got blued out, guys. <laughs> blued out. Okay, so two things with that. That's Aaron Rodgers, okay? And then we come back, and I actually want to play two clips there. One talking about Rodgers. And then, so that was on the new ESPN show. It's called, uh, what? The, the, yeah, This Just In. And uh, so Max Kellerman decided to go to Kimberly Martin. No relation, by the way. But that was the first time that I heard anyone say, what'd she say? They got blued out. They got blued out. Was that a color? Was it red? Was it yellowish? Was it goldish? They got blued out. Kimberly, what are you doing? How about they got blown out? That's what they got. They got blown out. They didn't get blued out. That was that, that was amazing. Anyway, but uh, so Aaron Rodgers taking that road, and I understand that, and that's really the only road that you can take at this point in time by saying, you know what, we got our asses kicked, got to hand it to us. That's fine. Okay. And uh, they will respond to that. So Packer fans, I don't think that you're that, that you're sweating about this. I don't know. Uh, I want to bring in my man, Gilby, here, who, who just joined us last week. And I bring him in because he is a Packer fan. And he's wearing the Packer uh, garb today. First of all, I appreciate you being part of the show, my man. He's with us at the Cosmopolitan on Fridays. You're hanging out with us today. Uh, welcome aboard to the show. Pleasure, TC. Thank you so much. And to be able to talk about the Packers right away, I mean, how exciting is that? <laughs> all right. So you're a season ticket holder. Used to be, you, yes, for 12 to, years. For 12 I was, years. I was blessed you, enough to have season you tickets. You and I for the did not know each other, but we were back in Green Bay at the exact same time. Yep. And you were you were kind of on the outskirts. Yes. A part, part of the Anago Hall of Fame. Yeah. There you go. A little small town. Hockey about, Hall of Fame. Uh, about an hour and a half away or so, you know, from yep. Green Bay. There you go. So, so I know Anago. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts? First of all, from week one, and then from when you heard from Rodgers there. Well, it's typical Aaron Rodgers, just to start off with. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is who we always thought he was. And for me, week one on Sunday, I was at my mom's watching the first half, and I was done watching in the first quarter because I could see the writing on the wall. A, the offense, three and out, four and out. And then the defense, A, could not get off the field. And number 20, King, the cornerback, same guy that Brady exploited in the championship game, two big pass uh, 15, 20-yarders. And I go, this game's over. When they got that last touchdown, 17 to nothing at halftime, I packed up my car and and I drove home because I knew I didn't need to watch any more of the rest of the game. Yeah, I was pretty much in the exact same situation. It was like you just saw the way this thing was going. And the Packers had some opportunities. They, they did. And, you know, you know, Rodgers threw a couple picks. But, again, I don't – you know, as a Packer fan, and you still talk to people back in Green Bay, mm-hmm. are, have they hit the panic button? Or, or, or do you think that, okay, they realize we've seen this channel before. This is a one-off. The, it's a one-off, basically. I mean, that's what we're hoping. 
But for me, it's always been the defense. The offense is always going to come around. They always have talent on the offense, maybe not a running back every year, but you know that Rodgers is going to come around. And Rodgers is one of those guys that he needs rhythm. He needs to get going. He needs to get the ball out. And as much as you think that he loves to hold the ball and get it all the way down, he needs to get in there. They only ran, what, 15 plays in the first half? The defense couldn't get off the field. Can't move the sticks. He can't, not, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that's so frustrating as a fan. They're not pick, they're not, they are not panicking yet because, as you said, he didn't get into the R-E-L-A-X. They usually start off slow in their first four games, so it's always like a little bit of hesitation. But normally the offense is clicking earlier, so we're hoping to get that in the next Two games. Everybody gets better during the uh, when they play the Lions. I hope, you know they. Uh, but that's, they. That's the remedy, right? <laughs> usually, they came back at the end of the game against the Forty ers You know, onside kick for the Lions, and they go down and score a touchdown. So the Niners' defense kind of let them down against the Lions. But usually, you get better against the Lions. Eleven points is a lot, but I think this is one that they just really go out there and say, "Okay, this is who we really are." But the defense has still got to be able to get off the field. Five letters here, just for everybody out there in Packerland and yourself today. R E L A X. Yes, we've heard that before, Aaron Rodgers. Just relax. And here's the thing I will put some credence into not taking snaps during the preseason, especially when you have two weeks between your last preseason game and your NFL kickoff opener. Okay, there is something to that. And him and Devontae Adams, they've got the chemistry. Okay, you know that. But the passes that he was throwing to Valdez Scanlane and some of the other guys, we heard all of this about bring Randall Cobb back. They bring Randall Cobb back. Where was Randall Cobb? I didn't even see him suit up. Was he targeted maybe one time? I don't know. Was he wearing number 18? No I idea. did not see him. No. But then again, I did give up on the game early in the second half. <laughs> I lasted a little bit longer than you did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, my traditional Sunday is I love being locked down, sequestered at home. I've got yep. my, my direct TV package. I've got all of my games lined up. So when I see a team that's non-competitive, especially one that I bet on and I'm frustrated – I'm off of that game. But I did not even see Randall Cobb. Was there a Randall Cobb sighting? I did not even see him once in the first half that I watched. And I'm yeah. going, this was your big move? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. We see this from Rodgers and the Packers always in the first six games of the season, I, I think, because I've been watching them for the 45 years that I've been able to watch football. I'm 53, so, you know, started really watching it at six. I remember the 2-14 and 14 Packers and the Bart Starr Packers and the Lindy on Fane Packers. You know, there's been a lot of losses, and thank God for Favre. And then Rodgers, that have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the last 20 years is unbelievable. But they always seem to start off slow. And... For me, it's, all, it's always been the defense, and it will be the defense. The one year we won the Super Bowl with Reggie White, we had a defense. The one year that we won the Super Bowl with Rodgers, we happened to get a defense after all season being really injured, but for some reason they played. Yeah. So no panic button yet, but we always get this early from the Packers. There it is. We, we got a wee guy here. Yeah. We got the wee. Sorry, there, there, that's, Sorry no, I'm not supposed to do that. No, that's, that's okay. You're a fan. That's, that's, that's quite all right. All right. Packers will get well. Uh, against the Lions, and that's always been the remedy in the past. And we know that the, the Packers have dominated the Bears and spe- specifically the Lions over the better part of the, the past 20 years. So uh, I expect, and again, you know, Jared Goff, the, the Lions played exactly how I, I thought they would play. They got off to such a horrendous start at home, and there's always hope. As we know, week one, everyone's 0-0, you know, nil and nil, as Paul Buckpower Stewart would say, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. nil and nil to start the season off, and you're at home, and, you know, you get the first drive, like, okay, that, that's all good, but the Niners just jumped in front of them in the first half, and like, okay, they're done. And Dan Campbell's going to bring some enthusiasm. I get that, but they still don't have the roster. I mean, Detroit is still Detroit. I mean, just year after year after year of bad drafts, uh, bad free agent pickups, and again, just Matt ba- Millen as GM for a long time. Yeah, I, you know, and I know a lot of people like to point point at Matt Millen, but still, you know, you had coaching. Yeah, and then you know, again, you you didn't have a, you've never had a really a decent offensive line never. in Detroit. 
I mean, Barry Sanders could have played probably another six or seven years if he had a better offensive line. I mean, Absolutely. he did everything on his own. And the same thing with the quarterback position. And, you know, people always want to talk about, well, look how, you know, Green Bay has had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers basically for the better part of the last 30-plus years. And then they, what do they always show? The comparison to who? The mm-hmm. Bears and the Lions and the rest of the division, and they've had over 100 quarterbacks, right? Correct. At least. So it does start with that. And by getting rid of Matthew Stafford, I'm glad the Lions got rid of him so Matt Stafford can get another fresh beginning. And, and, can, and, and he's getting that now. And we can see exactly what he could be. Yes, absolutely. Without a bad coach, without maybe with, with a heck of a defense, obviously, this year. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for him. Yep. And I'm really happy for the NFC North division, you know, the North. Mm-hmm. And because everybody's 0-1, nobody in that division won last week. Right. So everybody's still tied. But now you don't have to go through Stafford. you got Cousins as the, co- as, as the quarterback in Minnesota. And Chicago will get fields on the on the field eventually, probably by week five or six. It could be as early as next week. Could be, yeah. You, you saw how the offensive lineman really got behind him after he got that touchdown. Right. So I think it's just a matter of time before the Bear fans finally get a quarterback that they want. Go Bears! And then, you know, you don't – back to the Lions, you're not doing yourself a, a great service when you think that you've got an upgrade with Jared Goff. I mean that guy. You know, I've, I've been I've been golfed too many either. times. Not yep. not a fan at all. And uh, so, yeah, time will tell. But you know, back you know, to the Bears. This team's defense was supposed to be the calling card again. And how do you feel if you're Khalil Mack right now? I mean, you know, you say, hey, I want out of, of being a Raider just he- because I don't like any part of this. Whether it's Oakland, whether it's Las Vegas, forget about it. And, yeah, he signed for the bigger money. I get that. I understand it. But we see it all the time where guys go, they think, to greener pastures. And that's not the case. I mean, that Chicago Bear defense was atrocious last week. Again. Yeah. I mean, Mac had the honeymoon. He won the divorce for the first year. Then COVID hit last year. And I think you saw a little bit of who the line or the Bears defense really is. And then this year, I think you're seeing it a little bit again to where I don't think they're going to be as good as they were when he got there two years ago. And they got rid of a lot of players to be able to make that trade with the Raiders. So with the Bears, I'm thinking their defense is going to be a lot less. And 7-10 and 10 team maybe this year. And it, I, it, I think it, that's on the plus part, and yeah. that's if they get fields in onto the field mm-hmm. and uh, get, and get some um, just difference in their offense. You know what Nagy can do, what Nagy was able to do down when he was the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. You know, get that kind of system in there that I think Fields will really be able to execute for. Right. And as far as Minnesota goes, I mean, they they had a golden opportunity to be one and zero, sitting at the top of the division. And if you think that that's not a big deal, take advantage. Of any time the Packers lose, you you have to, yep. to to gain ground, and especially when you're on the road at Cincinnati to open your season. And again, they're a better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no question about it. But how much of the Kirk Cousins drama that we saw with the COVID, not going to be vaccinated, I'm being outspoken about all this stuff, being Cousins, and then you go in there and you lay an egg against Cincinnati, and you lose in overtime. I mean, it's like okay. You know, we, we kind of gave this game away, but now we got a chance at least to, to, to maybe make it right in the OT, and you can't even get that done. I mean, you're supposed to beat the Bengals. Everybody's supposed to beat the Bengals, and they should be sitting on top of the division right now. You let a golden opportunity get away if you're a Vikings fan. They let it slip right through their hands. Yeah. And unlike every fan, whenever you're, you, the schedule comes out in May and you're looking at the teams that your team's playing, those Minnesota Vikings fans are looking at they're going, oh, we're going to the Bengals? That's a win. Everybody's thinking that's a W. And when you go down there and lay an egg like that, and I was a big fan of Zimmerman. Uh, uh, defensive coordinator when he came from there, go went to the uh, Vikings as a head coach, but his defense just has not really followed him right. from there to the Minnesota Vikings. And I really can't understand it. Obviously, when you're a head coach, you got so much more to do. But you think you'd be able to instill a little bit of his philosophies and his and his spunk that he always had on, on those defenses uh, uh, before he got there. And he's had personnel. I mean, he's yeah. had some very good personnel. Mm-hmm. And actually, unlike the Lions, the Vikings have drafted well. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, they have drafted well. So there, there is no excuse you know, for the Vikings. And again, 
they saw all the stuff that happened in Green Bay in the offseason and Rodgers not wanting to return. So, you know, they got a little full of themselves. I think they actually thought, hey, this is going to be our division to win. And they, they took the Bengals for granted. I think it was a little know? complacency. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think definitely that was the case. So, mm-hmm. all right, a little look at the uh, NFC North. Uh, tonight, we do have football. Thank it's God. a little bit different than last Thursday, of course. You know, the opener is always good. I mean, you always have the defending champs playing. So you had Tampa Bay and Dallas, which turned out to be a very good football game last week. But now we get to what I like to say, the nonsense games, where we have to now resort to alternative hype. Are we going to see the color rush again? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's let's dress these guys up like Halloween costumes just so we can get people to to watch these games because – who do we always see normally on Thursday nights? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans or, you know, mm-hmm. other bad teams, the Lions, the Bears. We see this nonsense all the time. And uh, now, what do we get tonight? <laughs> the joke of the division that we made fun of every week last year. Okay, the NFC least. You got the Giants and you've got the Redskins. Oh, by the way, both records. Oh, and one, oh right? So we're going to get back to this. Now, I always say when I see games like this, the perfect time to go to a movie. Go to a movie theater's back open. That's what you do. You go to the movies when you see these type of matchups. However, I did watch the game very closely last week with Washington and the Chargers. And I was believing a little bit of the hype because Fitzpatrick was there. And yeah. I like Fitz, Fitzpatrick. And I like Ron Rivera. And... I give Ron Rivera a lot of credit for taking this job, knowing that you got to work under Daniel Snyder. And not easy, uh, uh, exactly. Not easy. And he went in there and said, you know, and Daniel Snyder said, Ron, we're going to let you take this team. Kind of like what I was talking about with Arash about about USC. When Pete Carroll was a coach at USC, it, it was his team. And sure, Pete might have broke some violations or whatever. But again, what, today's I mean, what NCA violations? Everything's very very loose, right? But. You know, I, I, I like Ron Rivera and the team that they have assembled. So I thought this could be the team. And I do like Jalen Hurts, of course. Everyone knows that with Philadelphia. I thought, okay, these two teams are going to be pretty good. And they're going to be better than what's anticipated. And Fitzpatrick goes down right away. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go again. Right. Got, you got to bring in the beer can. You got to bring in Heineke. So, so, so Heineke has yeah. to come in. And... He played okay. Just like he did in the playoff game. Just like he did in the playoff Tampa game. Bay. Exactly. Yep. Right? Doable. Doable so, quarterback. So I am interested in this game tonight. And I think this is a tale of two different teams going opposite directions. I'm playing the Redskins. Oh, I said the Redskins. I Matt, said it. Yes, he did. I'm so. playing Washington tonight. Yeah. I already played Washington. Yeah. But this Giants team, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Why the Giants. You? Exactly. Saquon Barkley still injured. You saw what he did last week. What, mm. 26 yards? Yeah. He wasn't ready. N- now not a fact. He'll be better. He'll be better. Mm-hmm. But still, Daniel Jones, a reach out of Duke with that draft pick. He's proven it. He's proven it. He's exa- proving it now. Exactly. So, uh, even though this is not going to be – it shouldn't be a great game to, to watch. But I think from a betting perspective – I'm going to be watching it because I'm all in on Washington. You're all in on Washington. Yeah. And this is about, the for me, for the, the Giants offensive line. And everybody's been talking about it the preseason. Jones at quarterback, he has 40 fumbles so far in his 27 games so far that he has started. And it's one of those things that when you can't trust your quarterback to be able to hold on to the ball, everybody around you just loses their confidence. And I think their defense is going to be fairly well. I think it's going to be a little bit better. I love, I love Judd as, as the new head coach. I think he's got him on a, on a good mental um, case going forward. Washington, after, with, with Heineke in there, I thought they, they played a doable game. Their defense is fantastic. Um, Chase is a becoming a standout already just a second game of right. a, of a, of a second, second season, second right. season. Right. and i just think that all in all this is going to be an under game i think if there's anything that i had to play if like you already said that you took the washington football team if i if somebody said what do you have to do that i think the under because i just think it's going to be defense 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 
20 to a 10 game, something like that. That's the kind of feel that I get out of it. Under 40 and a half. Very yeah. low total. Yeah, it's yeah. very low total. But, Whenever yeah. the books put something low, like you see a 38, 39, yeah. you know that they know something. Yeah. So it's right out there. They're not quite sure. And plus it's week two. So you can still find – you can find some value in some of these things from the sports book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the old adage goes: I mean, you take you know the lowest total and you go under. You take the highest total yep. and you usually go over. And mm-hmm. again, th- there's a reason why those yeah. numbers are. But I'm excited for are. the game. It's yeah. Thursday. Yeah. We've, we've got 17 weeks, and and to get back to your the the all one color uniform with the solid red. Please, I don't want to see that tonight. Oh my gosh! Are we going to see this tonight? Do I we? don't think last year they they kind of got away from it a little yeah. bit, but they do have a different oh, we, jersey. We still saw it yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember Seattle but, with a highlighter. You know, yeah, whatever you call it, the green, the green or yeah, the whatever that green, is, the yeah. 1980s green from yeah. you know from back in the day. Absolutely, oh. and. Two years ago when CBS re-upped on this Thursday night contract, they said we need better games. And you were getting to this point to where the Thursday night game was one that they just fulfilled the prime time because everybody's got to, every team has got to play in prime time now because of all these outlets that they have. So on Thursday, you got to see the, back in the day, Jacksonville versus Cleveland. Or, you know, the, they would always put divisional games together. Right. Usually divisional games, but because that meant of, something. Right. Because it meant something in the standings, but... It would always be the two bottom teams of, of, of the division. Yeah, which we are pretty much we are getting tonight. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they do that too is because of travel. Because the NFL Players Association, they want out of these Thursday night games. They I don't know nobody likes to play on a no. Thursday, especially when you get done playing on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they try to keep the travel to a minimum because you're no one's practicing on Monday. Tuesday right. is traditionally an off day. And now if, if you're playing on Thursday, basically you have one day of practice or no days of practice. Mm, makes sense. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's the situation. <laughs> so with Thursday night football, it's nice that, okay, we get to go home tonight and we get to say, hey, we get to watch football. But for me, I don't want to watch bad football. I don't either. And especially as we get later on in the season, I don't want to be watching a game 5-11 and 11 mm-hmm. against, you know, 4-12. and 12. Right. And that's what we've seen. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of that on Thursday night. And unfortunately, that's going to happen. But even that there's not football, you know, if there wasn't football on Thursday night, ESPN used to do a great package with all the college games. Absolutely. And and what happened to those games? They they were meaningful games. Those were meaningful games. We would say, like, Virginia Tech and Miami and and teams of that nature, you know? We would say that. You know, NFL's king, so they wanted to get as much of the pie as they could. But yeah. at least they're starting to get better games on Thursday because they got uh, – when Fox got it last year, you know, when you got the Aikman and you got Buck calling, they got the main callers. It used to be on NFL right. Network only kind of thing. So uh, at least they're they've, – I think they've addressed it as far as getting better matchups for Thursday night. Yeah. We'll see. Well, we don't have one tonight. It'll be no, we to, to, to take a look at the schedule. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Scott Spritzer is going to join us, and we will talk to Scott about handicapping tonight's game and the college docket on Saturday, plus plenty of NFL on Sunday. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. Thursday Night Football tonight. Yeah, is the weekend. It's just like we have four-day weekends all the time now, right? Thursday, Friday, five. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then, of course, Monday Night Football, right? You got to love it. Oh, the earth is a fire. Are you kidding me? On a, on a Music Thursday? Every day's a Music Thursday, right? All right, let's talk to our guy, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Handicapping and a guy who knows a little about Earth, Wind, and Fire as well, too. He's dancing right now. I can see it. What's going on, brother? I can dig it. <laughs> <laughs> little Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know? I know you can. I know you can. Uh. Philip Bailey reasons. I mean, how can you miss out uh, on that one, right? Uh, there you go. See, <laughs> it's funny. I was going to ask you, what's your favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire song, you know? I was going to say you go well, September. Well, you just heard one of them right there, what I just told you, no doubt about it, man. When Bailey kicks into that next octave, it's like... All right, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> do, do you know how many babies were conceived during that song, Scott? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had over-unders when I was 10 years old when that song came out of whatever it was. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So, funny thing about, about this song, about reasons, though. So, uh, so many people think that, like, they this is such a, a great, it is a great song. It's a great love song that people used to request this for their first dance at their wedding song, okay? And people mm-hmm. go, oh, I want reasons. And they go, oh, it's a great first dance. Great. So 
talked to Philip Bailey one time, and we had this conversation, and he laughed his head off. He goes, yep. you know, I hear this all the time. And he goes, do you know what this song is all about? I said, oh, yeah, I know what it's all about. He goes, but people that request this for their first dance at their wedding song, goes, people, don't do it. It's about a one-night stand. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know that there was such a heavily requested song for the first dance, and that's why I started chuckling when you mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going back to my old DJ days when I used to do a lot of, of, of weddings and all of those type of things, and people would say that. Uh, I said, well, you might want to rethink it. Ted, let me print out the lyrics for you, and maybe you could, you could pick, like, Always and Forever by Heat Wave or something like that. There you, know? you go. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But, uh, and I've told this story before, too. So sometimes when I DJ and these guys would take forever to get, you know, to like the hall and and I'm like waiting and I'm waiting to to start, you know, playing. So what I would do, Scott, I would throw on like say, hey, okay, here's your first dance. Uh, Here's Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? And they look at me like, (laughs) what? What? Yeah, don't yeah, mess with I, I the can DJ tell you right now. Don't the only mess wedding, with the DJ. The only wedding that I ever DJed, uh, we that was back when you had you know the time, you had the bird. Oh yeah. You know what time is it? All that kind of good stuff. And of course, you know I I played you know stuff like uh, from from the time like um, uh, what was it called again? I'm uh, Jungle Love, Fishnet, Fishnet, oh, Fishnet, Pantyhose. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, ice cream castles, all yeah. that good stuff. My gig, my only DJ gig other than radio, which was actually live DJ gig, I lasted for about six weeks and I called it quits, was a rock and roll nightclub here in Las Vegas back in the late, I don't know, I guess it would have been mid, early 90s, I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And this place was a hopping, happening place. And then I started DJing there, it was packed. My audition was on a ladies' night, on a Wednesday night, live, right there. And there was a band called uh, Little Sister, who was playing there that night. The nightclub, don't laugh, because it wasn't called for the reason you're thinking in 2021, but the nightclub was called Crackers, spelled with a K, <laughs> and, and as in Polly wants a cracker. And uh, and so anyway, uh, that was my experience. And, and I got to tell you, TC, since we're on it, nobody cares but you and me probably. But uh, <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. It, my DJ name was yeah. Scott Isaac. And I remember the, sta- uh, the uh, DJ booth was above the bar, stage other end of the nightclub. I climb down these stairs. I get down there, and I'm standing by the bar on my audition night on ladies' night. This girl walks up to me, and she says, hey, you want to dance? And I'm like, sure. And she goes, what's your name again? I go, Scott Isaac. The, the music was playing real loud. And she goes, what was it? I go, Isaac. And from that night point on, I was Ozzy. She thought I said Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so Gilby's in, in studio here. That Crackers was a great venue. He knows venue. Crackers. Crackers was a great venue. He went to Crackers. Years. Look at that. You probably were there the night that Scotty Isaac was playing. Could have been. Uh, Moby Grape 2 at that time was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Look at this. Moby Grape. Oh, yeah, remember those days. Do you remember a band, by the way, called Diamondback? Yes. And uh, her name was Bev, was the lead singer. Yeah. And I used to hang out with that that little group of people there for a couple of years in the late 80s, early 90s. This yep. is funny. Yeah. This is your life going on here. It really is. Uh, what did I say at the beginning of this show? How uh, this could take a left turn at any point in time with Paul Buck Power Stewart from England? Right? No, we, there we go. We're on the we're on the, Crackers the, fine we're on the right side of the road here now. There we go. Oh, too that's, funny. that's great stuff. I don't know anybody now. This is the first person I've met who remembers Crackers. There you go. Yeah, I love, love that it. that place. It was a great <laughs> rock and roll joint. I saw Blue Oyster Cult there. And that <laughs> that's small right. little venue. And yep. what a great place to see people. Great bands that yeah. held maybe, I don't know, 200 people. Yeah. You know? See, so it was just a great I, time. I know there's a reason why we brought the G-Man up, uh, you, know, you know, part of the team here. So there you go. There you go. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, Fishnet, Morris Day in the time. Love it. And uh, Morris Day, he might be listening right now. Las Vegas, you know, native. He's been here for quite some time now, Scott. He's living here. Well, I'm going to ask him what time is it then, right? I mean, come Ah! on, Morris. There you go. (laughs) Scott, bring me a mirror. There you go. (laughs) Jerome. Forget forget Jerome. We got got Scott Isaac. There it is. That's so great. I want to go Scotty Isaac. That sounds better. Just like Walter and Scotty from the Whispers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's another good reference. Oh, yeah. My guys. (laughs) My guys. All right, man. Week one, underdogs 12 and four. Nine dogs win outright most in week one history, I believe. At least in like the last 55 years, right? Oh, man, it was crazy. There was one dog that really, really busted my chops, though, TC. And that was 
uh, the Miami Dolphins, and we've seen this movie before with this team, they did absolutely nothing, and they beat the Patriots with 140 fewer yards, 140, I think it was 134 fewer yards to be exact. And I had New England, obviously, as you can tell by the tone of my voice. Not only outgained them by 130-plus, uh, but had the ball a couple of times deep in Miami territory, had the ball with three minutes to go inside the Miami 10. But they couldn't find the handle on the football, fumbled the ball four times, turned it over a couple of times, and it was like a reminder of what Miami was doing last year and the year before about you know, being out yarded by 100 to 150 yards, sometimes more. Uh, the Rams went by them kind of comes to the front of the memory section of my brain. When I think about all the yards they were out yarded by, just it seemed like week after week, and yet they were in games and won a lot of those games. So uh, that bothered me a lot, but we got them back on Monday night with the Raiders. And I was talking to a good friend of ours, a sportsbook director here in town yesterday, and he said they were really happy with Sunday's results. They were really unhappy with Monday's results. And he told me the betting TC at one point, like going into Monday morning, they had received like 60% of the bets on Baltimore. And by kickoff, it had exactly flip-flopped, and they had received about 60% of the bets on the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I know I know exactly what you're saying. Exactly. And we, a lot of us were, were on the Raiders, and we thought that was a good spot. But when we were down 14 nothing, we weren't too happy, were we, Scott, at 14 nothing, <laughs> We probably should have lost that game, TC. Yes. You know, I mean, yes. it was a situation where the Ravens had plenty of chances to pull away enough to, to be able to win that football game and cover the spread. And, you know, thankfully, Lamar Jackson was able to fumble the football away a couple of times, and, and we got the win. But, you know, it happens a lot. And it was a little bit of payback, I felt, for what happened to be with New England right. on Sunday. All right, so, Scott, let's uh, stick with these right now since we, we're, we're talking Raiders and Ravens from Monday night and great atmosphere there at Allegiant Stadium. And congratulations for the Raiders for winning and uh, for, for covering for us. But now they go on the road to Pittsburgh. They got the short week. They've got that, you know, early game, and then you've got the cross-country uh, you know, trip as well, too. And Pittsburgh looked very good against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, give me some thoughts here as we got uh, Pittsburgh basically laying five. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I, I want to talk about that, that old myth because I keep hearing this on these new betting TV shows and in other locations around the country. And that's that the West Coast team is like an automatic play against when they yeah. play on the East Coast. And I'm going to interrupt it's, you for a second because I know that we have talked about this before. I know where you're going, and you're right. And I, and I want you to go ahead and, and dispel that myth because you're right. People still talk about that. Yeah, going back over 30 years, when you're looking at that West Coast team on the East Coast and you're talking about the spread, it's right down the middle. It's almost 50-50. It just, it, it's just a non-factor, as our boy Bill Walton would say. It's a non-factor. So I tell people all the time, don't make that part of your handicap. If you like the East Coast team at home, no matter what time of day they're playing, whether it's an early game, afternoon game, Sunday night or Monday night game, it just doesn't matter. It's 50-50 for the most part. Now, the one little asterisk next to that, and one team, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but one team that fits it is that if a West Coast team is on the East Coast for the second straight week, West Coast team in the Eastern time zone, second straight week, the West Coast team is a 70% winner against the spread. Uh, and, and part of that has to do with that, you know, the, the bookmakers see where the public's going to be betting. It's baked into the line, all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, having said that, it is an extremely tough spot for the Raiders because that was such an emotional game and win the other night, doing it in overtime, having less time to prepare for this game. And then if you look at what happened in that contest last week, listen, you know, the, the, the Raiders gave up over six yards per play in that contest against Baltimore, and Baltimore wasn't exactly completely healthy. Uh, they also gained over six yards per play, but again, they allowed over six yards per play. Uh, this number is a cutoff point for me. It's, it's where I'm not going to get involved in it, in all likelihood I haven't yet. Uh, I thought Pittsburgh actually did, as you mentioned, played extremely well last week against Buffalo, but really that hinged the outcome of that game or the change of that game uh, really hinged on a block punt for a touchdown. Uh, first half looked like it was going to be Buffalo winning probably by, you know, 17 to 20 points. They're up 10 zip at the break. But, you know, the Pittsburgh defense, are, it's a ball hawking secondary, and I'd be concerned about that. Uh, for me, it'd be Pittsburgh or nothing in this game because I think the Raiders could find some trouble here trying to throw into that Pittsburgh secondary. Right, and uh, you're talking about another one of those teams that stayed on these coasts. I know you're talking about the 49ers in that situation this week as they got to go play the Eagles, who played very, very well last week as well, and kudos to Jalen Hurts. 
Yeah, and you're right. That's the team. I'm the Eastern time zone, second straight week for the West Coast team. And you do see nowadays, obviously, over the last several years where teams will stay in, you know, in or close to the Eastern time zone rather than coming home and flying back. And, you know, again, like you mentioned, I thought Philadelphia couldn't have played any better, but at the same time, their opponent couldn't have played any worse in that game last week than they did talking about the Falcons. And in this particular game, listen, the 41-33 win by the Niners is about as misleading as it gets because, as you know, TC, it was an absolute mismatch, blowout, everything else uh, that you can call it until they basically, you know, just wrapped it up and went home and let Detroit, you know, take the field on their own, basically. But Listen, I really thought what the Eagles did was a little surprising. I mean, Jalen Hurts was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you got Sirianni getting that first win. Uh, this will be interesting this week because the Niners have an issue with Mostart being out. They've got an issue in, D, in the secondary with Barrett being out, and that keeps me off of this game. Otherwise, I would be firmly on San Francisco in this contest with Philly coming off the upset win. This is one of those situations, again, where if I had to play it, it would be the Niners or nothing, but those injuries scare me off a little bit. Right. All right, so Baltimore travels to Kansas City, and you've got uh, – actually, the other way around, right? Yeah, Baltimore hosting Kansas City, my bad. And uh, Lamar Jackson, 0-3 against the Chiefs. How do you think Baltimore responds? Yeah, I, I got him. This is one of my plays this week. It's not the big play, but it is a play, and that is the Ravens plus the points, getting more than a field goal in this one. Uh, Kansas City wasn't overly impressive in that four-point win non-cover against the Browns. The only time they led was by that final score. Uh, they gave up 457 yards last week to Cleveland. Even worse than that, they gave up more than eight yards per play to the Browns. That's tough to fix in one week of practice as they get ready for Baltimore. And then, as I mentioned, the Ravens, you know, they did average over six yards per play on Monday night in an ultra-tough situation. And if not for Lamar's two fumbles, they probably win that football game. You got the Chiefs laying a full point above the look-ahead lines from last week. And once again, I think they're overvalued. They've been overvalued a lot. In their last 12 games, they are 1-10-1 against the spread. The bookmakers are never going to do you any favors when you want to back the Chiefs. And I think the Ravens are the right play. Again, it's a small play for me, but I like the Ravens getting the points. You know, Speaking of alarming numbers, we go back to the game on Monday night, the Ravens leading the Raiders by 14 points. You know, the Ravens were 81-0. In yep. regular season games, when leading by at least 14 points since John Harbaugh took over in 2008, overall, they won 98 straight dating back to 2004. Oh, and the flip side, you know, the Raiders, first time in five years, they overcame a deficit of 14 points to win a game. And last time that happened was uh, what, December 2016 when they uh, defeated Buffalo 24-9. to uh, Actually, they were trailing 24-9, to and then they, they won that game 38-24. Uh, to So I don't know if that's an omen or not because – the last time the Raiders made the playoffs was 2016 as well, too. So, <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. And yeah. I'll tell you what, when it was 14 nothing, and I, at the time, I mean, I've seen it since. At the time, I didn't know it was 81-0, but I knew it was close. You know, it was at least 70 wins straight in that scenario. And I just said to my daughter, at 14 nothing going into half, I'm like, let's go do something. I'm not yeah. watching this <laughs> in the second half. I'm not, you know, I've seen enough of this. I, I don't need to watch me lose with the Raiders. And so we went out and we were doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, not too long. And later I get, you know, start getting texts about, Hey, the Raiders are right back in this thing. And you know, I go from down 14, nothing to seeing 24, 24 got to watch the overtime. So I was happy. <laughs> yeah, Scott Spritzer joins us at doc sports. All right, Scott tonight here. We're back to Thursday night football. Definitely not a marquee matchup, but uh, is this a betting situation with Washington against the giants tonight? Yeah, I, I, three and a half is what I would do. And I did a video last night. The videos are, are on YouTube. They're free and they're, they're opinions. And that's basically what this is for me. So I, I thought as long as you're getting more than three, I'd have to side with the Giants as far as an opinion is concerned. Listen, Tyler Heineke did not have a good quarterback rating last week. I know he's been a good NFL backup, and he, he performed well enough last year when, when, when he had to come in and, and take over the reins for Washington. But last week he had like a 38 rating. And there were several times last week, you know, two or three times, when the Chargers could have piled up more points on the board and failed to do so. I don't think that the Washington football team uh, was as good as the final score being just a three or four point loss 
would indicate on the flip side, the Giants had their chances to do better than they did against Denver. They had the ball deep in Denver territory on three occasions when they came up empty. Uh, Daniel Jones, man, Danny Dimes, he's never lost against Washington, 4-0. and uh, I think they're the way to go here as long as you're getting more than the field goal. All right, uh, Friday night football. So the college, and we were talking about this earlier, we're not really seeing many of these Thursday night uh, you know, ESPN matchups on Thursday nights anymore, but we are starting to see some more Friday night college football. And tomorrow night we've got UCF at Louisville. Uh, a little bit intriguing. Uh, you know, Louisville is... It's kind of this this weird team. They still got some talent, but man, they look bad as we saw, you know, in the opener. And then UCF, obviously, another coaching change and and that situation there. U, UCF a seven point favorite at Louisville tomorrow night. Just a little quick opinion on this, Scott. Either side. Yeah, I'm not I, an opinion on Central Florida at six and a half. You know, it's under seven, and I like it a little bit. But as far as Louisville's concerned, I mean, they've just dropped off. You know, one big notch at a time since Lamar Jackson left and is now in the NFL, and as far as Central Florida is concerned, listen, I, you know, they were obviously great under Scott Frost his last year or two there. I thought they dropped a notch uh, when Josh Heupel took over the program. Not a great deal, but a notch. And I'm not so sure Gus Malzahn is the right fit for the talent that he has left on this team. Having said that, I am not impressed with Louisville thus far, and I think what's going to end up happening in the Central will find a way to win this game by 7 to 10 points. All right, uh, you know we have you on. We got to talk about those Huskers, man. They're getting twenty-two against Oklahoma. We're gonna go back to some old Big Eight football, right? Big Eight. I know Big exactly, yeah. exactly what's gonna happen in this game, TC. Uh, let's hear it. You're gonna see Jeff Kinney run for a hundred. Johnny Rogers <laughs> is gonna put him in the aisles, and yeah. you're gonna have Jerry Taggy game managing this game from start to finish, and you're gonna have Nebraska win thirty-five, thirty-one. And I'm sticking to my story. <laughs> <laughs> I love Having it. said that. It's up to, this is one of those want-to games, as I like to call them. Oklahoma, I think, wins by whatever they want. Um, I just don't know, because Nebraska has the ability to get a backdoor cover in this football game. In Oklahoma, you know, listen, they were looking a little shaky against Tulane. Tulane's a pretty good football team, but the Oklahoma defense did get torched from time to time. Here's the biggest problem for me. I, I'm, I don't have a bet on this game. I think the final score is going to be in the neighborhood of OU, 44-20. to 20. I almost bet Oklahoma, and that's pretty close to the number, if it ends up 44-20. It could be even uglier than that. The problem for Nebraska, and the reason I couldn't back the Huskers here, uh, besides the fact that they've been struggling for a decade, they just played Fordham and they played Buffalo in games two and three. They saw 80 pass attempts by Fordham and Buffalo. Nebraska garnered one sack in 80 pass attempts by Fordham and Buffalo. Spencer Rattler could almost wrap up the Heisman in this game if he truly, you know, wants to and is on, and is on his game. Uh, I just, Nebraska can't run between the tackles. They're teaching this weird shielding blocking scheme rather than Nebraska just running through people like we used to see, which surprises me because Scott Frost played when they were running through people. They're teaching the shielding tactic, and it's not working. They can't run the ball between the tackles. They're going to have to use option, which they've kind of introduced the last couple of weeks, if they're going to have any chance at all to keep the football away from OU. Hey, listen, I know some sharp people that are taking the points. I can't do it. So if Oklahoma does roll Nebraska out of the place and they put up like maybe 50 or 60, does Nebraska pull a USC here and say goodbye to Scott Frost? I think he's going to make it till the end of the season. Um, But I'll tell you what, right now, you better go get Luke Fickle while he's available over at Cincy. I'm telling you right now, there's a hot prospect. And, you know, the the rumors last week going into Buffalo were Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, and then uh, Stoops over at Kentucky. I'll take the first two. You can keep Stoops down in the SEC. But Fickle or Campbell, you know, maybe. And Fickle obviously has done a great job when he filled in at Ohio State and what he's done with that Bearcats program. By the way, the Bearcats better be on upset alert this week. That's a tough spot. But again, I think Fickle would be a great next coach. You know, Frost has to get to a bowl game or he's gone. Well, if this is 76 nothing, you might see a tarmac situation like we saw <laughs> with Lane Kiffin. Right, right. Well, thinking with Fickle, I'm thinking Fickle ends up at USC because, you know, that's where Bone's from. I mean, they, they work together. And so I think he would love to have Luke Fickle there at USC, and he's the AD over there now. So Yeah, and I kept saying that I thought he would be the best hire for SC. I know they're looking yeah. at the enemy and a right. couple of others, but and I don't want to see, you know, they're talking about with Urban Meyer, he's denied any interest. That's a bad hire. 
He'll, he'll lose to UCLA. He'll start talking about needing to spend more time with the family. He'll go back to ESPN. Right. You know, go out and get a young guy like Fickle. I think he, I agree with you, TC. He'd be the best hire for the Trojans. All right. Uh, real quick, Scott, uh, give me a game that uh, it's on your radar for Saturday. All right. Let's pull one up here. And uh, I'm going to go with Arizona State. Now, I've been kind of looking at these Pac-12 schools. And listen, great start for BYU. They beat a pair of Pac-12 teams, as we know, including the big rivalry win over Utah when they lost nine in a row. Uh, they had the close win over Arizona. I went against the Cats last week, and they showed their true colors getting blasted by San Diego State. So a little comparison yep. shopping there, if you will. But anyway, as far as this game is concerned, I know ASU has played nobody, but that goes to their advantage. They're fresh. They're not banged up. They're ready to go. I think BYU will be a bit worn down emotionally and physically. Arizona State minus three and a half. All right, and Arizona State pounded UNLV last week, but UNLV did get the cover. Iowa State coming to Allegiant Stadium, laying 31 and a half. Big question, Scott, is what is the over-under on the amount of Iowa State fans that they're bringing? And, and, I, and I'm serious if, about this because yeah. I've tossed around a couple different numbers. I want to know what you think. Yeah, you'll have to tell me what you say after I mention mine. If there's 50,000 people in the stands on Saturday, I'm going to say 40,000 are Iowa State fans. Wow, you think that many? See, I'm thinking. Well, that... I'm just saying on a 50,000 scale. I, I think, yeah. but you know what? It would have been, you know, now that I think about it, the loss last week might keep it down a little bit. Yeah. I, I've got tickets every week to UNLV football, but here's the thing those prices dropped after that loss by Iowa State. So maybe not. I got to throw that out there as I think about it. Maybe not as much as I thought. I'm thinking 17,643 uh, people are getting on those airplanes from Ames, Iowa, and, and not including the transplants that probably already live here. But what do you think? Uh, does does Iowa State just take this out of their loss, embarrassing loss to Iowa last week on UNLV? Or does UNLV get underneath the number? You know, it's really tough to judge Iowa State. If they would have beaten Iowa, I probably would have thought about laying it here. Listen, I know UNLV is off to a tough start. They played a top 10 FCS program and only lost in overtime by two, and we see how well these top FCS teams are doing again this year. So that's kind of – that's not a bad beat. Last week, they didn't have the guns, man. They don't have the talent to hang with Arizona State. But I will say this about the Rebels. They don't have the talent to hang, but they're better coached than they've been in a long time. They know where to be. They know where to go. They know where they're supposed to line up. If Iowa State is focused, though, they just pull away in the second half. All right, my man. We appreciate it as always. You can check out Scott's picks at DocSports.com. And, of course, part of our Best Bet segment, uh, you had a really good week with us as well, too. The, the, whole, the whole panel had a really good week last week, man. So congratulations on that. And, by the way, give me a yell on Saturday night because I will be at this game. This will be my first UNLV game in the new stadium. Well, we will be there. That we'll, I know you will. We'll, yeah, give me a yell. We'll definitely uh, pick a spot to, to meet. Or actually, I know Absolutely. you have good seats, so I'm going to come down and maybe hang with you. How's that? Perfect. There you go. All right, my man. Appreciate you. Take care, man. Good luck. There he is. Scott Spritzer. Great follow on Twitter as well, at Scott Wins. And, of course, uh, at DocSports.com. You can get Scott's plays there at DocSports. Great stuff. Appreciate Scott for joining us today. Also, Arash Makazi joining us from Los Angeles. Does a fantastic job. You can catch his uh, articles daily at the morning column on Substack. And, of course, he's doing radio now. The former L.A. Times writer, ESPN Sports Illustrated writer. You can hear him on the mightier 1090 there in San Diego, the big 50,000-watt station. And, of course, Paul Buck Power Stewart, our guy from England, buckpower.com, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the voice of the National Football League in England for those games. So we appreciate everyone for joining us today. Tomorrow, you know where we'll be. Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come on down and join us inside the sports book. We'll be happening. Trevor Maddich is going to join us for Best Bet segment uh, again via the phone, but in person. Uh, Marlon Greenwood, uh, NFL alumni uh, director of uh, Las Vegas personnel, he's going to join us. Come hang out with us for a while and uh, plenty more as well. Marco D'Angelo is going to join us. We've got Brian Benowitz. We've got our Best Bet segment. That and a whole lot more coming your way tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. G-Man, glad to have you in studio today. Thank you, boss. Appreciate it. And we'll see you uh, tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. Looking forward to it. All right. Numbchuck making it happen here on the other side. Shout out again to Ballpark Frank. Get well soon, my friend. We'll keep everyone updated on that. And if you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com.